This is the MFG Cast. Hey guys, Kurt here. Mike is exhausted. He actually took a vacation. I know that's not an excuse, but he um, is doing some remodeling of a kitchen and he's really tired. I don't get it because I'm really tired because I work today and I'm here to talk with a bunch of people. He has no excuse, but you know what? What are you going to do? Can't, I can't drag him over here. So um, It's another week. I told you we'd do at least one interview a week, but this week I lied. I told um, this week I decided we'd do something fun. I decided we'd have a lot of people on. This could either be the best thing ever or the worst thing ever, so you decide. Um, I decided that we should do a random bullshit discussion where we just throw stuff out there, start a conversation, um, you know, talk about you know what we're excited about. You know, other little things, you know, if you want to talk about, if you saw a meeple in a, in a piece of toast, you know, go right ahead. This is what random bullshit is all about. And I've got a lot of people to talk to. I, uh, fortunately, I've got a lot of nice people that I've met on Twitter, a lot of people we've actually already talked to, and they've come on either again or for the first time. Thank you very much, guys. And uh, so I'm going to have these guys uh, introduce themselves and uh, go from there. So, John. Why don't you go first, sir? Hey, I uh, just want to thank you for having me on. I'm John from Legends of Tabletop. Uh, it's a website I created with a couple of friends of mine. Uh, it's pretty much all nerd geek things related. Uh, we do uh, game reviews, uh, a monthly podcast. Um, we have a forum up we haven't done too much with yet. Um, just, uh, you know, trying to be active in the community, you know, bring people together to play more games and talk about games. Yep, and that's all you can do. Perfect. All right, Megan, you're next. Oh, hey everyone, this is Megan. Um, Acer's on here too, and we both run uh, the Redacted Files podcast, which is an actual play podcast where we basically try to hook anyone who listens to us into playing games with us so that we can get through all the games we bought. Um, And then we're also both on the Firefly podcast, which just... uh, is a uh, Firefly actual play. Perfect. I don't know. Uh, we also have a website where uh, I try to post reviews and interviews and stuff like that, but that's becoming more frequent. Well, do you have time for anything else uh, with all of that? Um, uh, no. Try. <laughs> right now we're uh, averaging. It's not your turn to speak, five Acer. Games a week. <laughs> so. <laughs> yep. It's a lot of work. People don't realize all the work that goes into all the stuff that we do, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's awesome. All right, Acer, is there anything else you want to add to that? Uh, Yes. Well, uh, like Megan said, we play four or five games a week. uh, And then about as much time as we spend playing those games, we uh, sometimes spend editing them, uh, and we get one out a week. So we uh, our backlog grows exponentially, 
so if uh, you guys you know check us out uh, and you don't like what you hear, come back in ten years, and we'll still probably be releasing what we recorded this year. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Luis, you're up next. Okay. Well, um, I'm Flippy, but uh, everybody knows me of Flippy uh, on Twitter. I don't think anybody knows my uh, real name there, which is Luis Felipe. But um, I'm very excited to be here. I feel like I'm sitting at the cool boys' table <laughs> uh, with, the big, big, with the big leagues. Uh, I, I, um, I appeared uh, on the Rollcasters uh, podcast as, uh, as a guest to talk about uh, the Brony fandom and an RPG for Bronies uh, and for uh, parents and children called Tiny Horses, which I'm very glad. Uh, uh, I'm very happy because right now it's starting to catch on and uh, kids are really, really uh, liking it. I've seen um, reviews of it. Uh, and I've seen the characters the ch- uh, children create, and uh, I've seen pictures of children ho- uh, hugging the book as if it were uh, a teddy bear. Uh, I also write uh, for uh, Rollcasters at uh, Rollcasters.net uh, once a month, and I'm going to be uh, writing also for Metaphor uh, Publications, which is uh, a public. Uh, a publishing company that uh, specializes in science fiction and fantasy. Um, that's pretty much it. Nice. All right. Perfect. Jordan, you're up next. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Jordan. Um, I'm actually on vacation right now. I'm the guy for when we were packing for vacation, I had to make sure that the IKEA bag full of board games had to fit in the car before suitcases or anything like that. <laughs> like. I don't care if we have clean clothes, we're going to be playing games on yep. this vacation. Yep, you had to do Tetris mode in your car, I bet. Uh-huh, yep. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's great. All right, Mike, you're next. Hello, thank you for having me on. I'm, uh, my name is Mike, as you just said. I'm the one of the co-hosts of the Who, What, Why game design podcast. We interview board game designers and stuff and talk about their board games. And... Uh, I am not on vacation, uh, but I do have Harry Potter on mute in the background. Nice. Which doesn't help anybody listening to this, unless you're also watching it. Yes. Thank you for saying that on an audio podcast. Thanks a lot. Oh, I love I love visual jokes on an audio podcast. <laughs> yep. Because I always have to explain them. Yep, exactly. Exactly. All right. Perfect. Taylor, you're up. Hi, I am Taylor. Uh, I am the host of an actual play podcast called The Leviathan Files. Uh, we are a weekly D20 podcast set in the Mass Effect universe. Uh, if anyone's played those video games, uh, you kind of get the feeling that three games isn't enough, uh, despite the length. Uh, so um, I like to think of our podcast as just a, a type of fan fiction, which is pretty fun. Um, so every week we put out an episode, we follow four kind of quasi-lovable misfits as they try to save the universe. Um, so that's me. Awesome. Love me some Mass Effect, so... That's great, Alex. I think people hey, might, people might know you, but let let's let's go with that anyway. Let's just just in case. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders at BattleBards, bringing premium top tier audio to tabletop gaming, music, sound effects, voiceovers, you name it. Uh, also, perhaps better known as Virtus in the Rollcasters Playcast of Elemental Evil, a lot a lot of fun. Uh, guest blogger on Mad Adventure Society and just uh, a 20 year and going game master. Perfect. Awesome. And last, but not certainly not least, Dusk. 
Hey, thanks. <laughs> it takes nine of us to fill in for Mike's position. <laughs> um, that is true. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dusk. Um, I host Rollcasters with White Dove, my partner. And we do two shows, two weekly shows. Our Wednesday show is kind of like a RPG talk show, variety show. Starts off with Dark Moon Adventure series, which is like this animated retelling. Well, it's not animated anymore, but it's this retelling of our Pathfinder adventure. Then we have a roundtable discussion. Last week we did GM Tips. Next week it's going to be growing the RPG community. And then after that we have like a short little comedy sketch, Adventures for Hire. And we close with news and announcements. So that's like how the variety show fits in. And then on Fridays, as Alex mentioned, we have Elemental Evil. It's an actual play. And it's a mix between the Princes of the Apocalypse 5th edition adventure and the 1st edition original Temple of Elemental Evil. It's a lot of fun. Uh, things get kind of crazy. And, uh, yeah, just check it out. Nice, nice. Everybody's so busy. So busy. I like it. I like it so much. Alright, well, let's get into the randomness. Hopefully everybody's got something in their head. Um, I I told the guys before they came on, and girl, sorry, um, that I have a D10 dice. I'm going to roll it. Whoever comes up, we're going to have them pick a topic or something that they want to discuss, and then we'll kind of talk about it from there. We'll go from there. All right, first up. Nope, not me. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll that again. All right, Jordan, you're first. Pressure's on. All right. Um. So I was kind of thinking about just what I wanted to talk about. Something that I'm kind of excited about is how games seem to be slowly but surely leaking into the mainstream. Um, I talked about how I'm on family vacation. Um, my whole family, they're when I'm done with this, we're going to go play games. You know, this is a group of people who, a year ago, when we talked about games, it was going to be Scrabble and Monopoly. Mm. But, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I've, I've got all of my games like, <laughs> that I brought. Um, I mean, we've got, like, Sulking and Betrayal at the House on the Hill and games like that that we're going to play with them. And I, it just, I get really excited when I see game slowly but surely starting to leak out into people who not that long ago would have looked at that game and been like uh no thanks <laughs> yeah I think you bring up a good point um it's weird that we see that you know I I think we've talked about this before on the podcast I think games are still really weirdly not mainstream they are to a certain point to the board gamer community and you know and those surrounding people, but it's still not super mainstream. You know, talk of you know recently of TV shows, movies, and stuff like that, where you will see like the game pile, where it's got basically like not Monopoly and stuff like that, but it's got like your Carcassonne and your Ticket to Ride or something like that. You know, it's got kind of your mainstay games, but it, they don't really throw anything into it. You know, that kind of thing that's like, oh, oh my God, it's, you know, Puerto Rico or, you know, something that's, you know, a little more maybe, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, not known, you know, to the... Obscure? Yeah, obscure. Thank you. Gosh, yeah. I knew there was you know, a reason I, I had nine other guests on. <laughs> absolutely. You know, but on um, on at the end of one of the South Park episodes, there was like a whole scene of the grandfather and the kids playing games. And, like, there, it was surprising to me that the games that were, like, drawn in the background, they had, like, Dead of Winter and Mice and Mystics. And I think 
I want to say City of Horror or something, or Zombicide or something. You were like, oh, wow, that's those are all like, really? You guys know those games too? Okay, great. I like that. Yeah, I think the field's definitely expanding. Like, I think Kickstarter has a big impact on that. And people really get into these, like, obscure games. And that also might be kind of part of its growth because you have uh, a wide array to choose from. So you can kind of find a niche game for exactly what you like. Yeah, for sure. It, it's weird because you know we're I'm you know it seems like most of you have played board games and a lot of you have played RPGs too. It's weird that you don't see a lot of a lot more RPGs in movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Of course, you see Dungeons and Dragons because Dungeons and Dragons is the big thing, you know. But you know you don't really see much of anything else. I mean, not that I'm aware of, at least. You know what though? On on that note, what I would say is at least when I started really playing RPGs back in the day. Now, in the mainstream and in common conversation, more people know of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not so much of the exclusive purview of the nerds to know Dungeons and Dragons, or even if you were to say, you know, catchwords like ranger, you know, classes or ability scores. It's not so much unknown now. And I think a lot of that really is credit to the success, the mainstream success of movies like Lord of the Rings, even uh, pop culture uh, icons like South Park doing Sick of Truth, which has that RPG element to it, um, I think has done a lot to bring this, what was a very nerdy subculture when I started to where in a, you know, bar somewhere you could Maybe not, you know, every single time, but I think more often than not, you could talk about some gaming concepts, and it won't be like, what the hell are you talking about? What planet are you from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing is that those nerds that used to play it back in the 80s are adults and that influence the entertainment business now. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, they there's so many people that used to play that back in the 80s that have influential positions now and make... Uh, entertainment, uh, that kind of content, that it's kind of got its way into the mainstream. But not just and make, and, not just and, make hey, content. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you can go. Oh, I was just going to say, D and D casts like a huge shadow in like the PC gaming uh, sort of groupthink of how you design games and how you. Um, create an experience for people uh, and I, yes I agree <laughs> um, the D&D shadow is long and um, reaches everywhere I mean you see the games like I wanted to say Elder Sign and then I realized that that was the board game but there's, a, there's another game Elder Scroll or something There's a lot of really popular Uh video games that use ranger and elf and archer and dwarf and all that jazz. So like, well, even even the make the basic mechanics. I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to to step on you, Mike. Um, The basic the basic mechanics of having ability scores across these basic, you know, concepts: strength, you know, ability, agility, dex, intelligence. That I mean, if you look at almost every game done by Bioware, if you look at uh, even some of the old, again, in the very early starts of the video games, Might and Magic. I don't know if anybody remembers that, or if I'm really dating myself badly here. Um, <laughs> I don't remember but, that. I don't know no. if that was that. Po- I don't know if that that was that popular though. That's not as mainstream. Back then, at least. Back then. Yeah, back then. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like Heroes of Might and Magic came out sometime. I don't mean to. I don't mean to step on you there. It's just like it wasn't that popular then, <laughs> at least. Well, Bioware did Baldur's Gate way back when, right? And that was a D and D license. Yeah. Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter. Yeah. Did they do Icewind Dale? <sighs> that was Black Isle Entertainment. Yeah, Black Isle. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of D and D video games that were very good, and there was a lot of D and D video games that were super bad. <laughs> <laughs> Super bad. I, uh, I know we talked about it on the podcast too, and it's one of those D and D games for Nintendo, and it was one of those ones where you had to push it like instead of pushing up to go in a door, you had to push down, and it was like the first part of it. So instead of going in the door, I was falling down a chasm every time. So I think I did that about ten times before I threw it threw the game out the window. You know, it's like, jeez, got to be kidding me here. Well, yeah, but you know the the these the mechanics for a good pen and paper RPG that start classic carrot and stick and just keep people going along and moving down the path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's you know yeah, like like you said, it's 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 you know made its way for the made its way for the video games and like you know Taylor's got his Mass Effect role playing game. I mean, it's pretty much a role playing game you know in a video game basically. So you can take any of that mechanics and just. You know, making it into an RPG, which people have. You know, just uh, and even in some regular games, you could just take that setting and make it into an RPG. So, going back to what Dusk said, you know, about people growing up now and having an influence on what's going on with entertainment. You know, you have shows like King of the Nerds and uh, mm-hmm. The Quest. I uh, was really big over last summer, so you have you know a lot of those types of things that kind of branch out. You know, at least. You know, give people some uh, touchstone for that, for role playing, and, and not necessarily board games, but but that those avenues of you know gaming. Yeah. That, you know, maybe wouldn't have been exposed to before. Mm-hmm. Jumping well, off, of, jumping off of that. Sorry to jump there. <laughs> that's, but, okay, uh, that's okay. Um, There's nine people. Uh, somebody's gonna interrupt somebody. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't mind doing it. I guess. Um, but uh, and it goes back to Dusk's point as well. Was, not only are those people from, you know, back in the 80s or whatever, make it responsible for now creating the content, but we're also the people consuming the content. So mm-hmm. the, the, the mainstream has to kind of gear, start gearing towards the what used to be the nerdier side because mm-hmm. those are the people who are paying the money. And mm-hmm. do you want money or do you not want money? <laughs> yeah, we got jobs now. Exactly. I think there's been uh, definitely a cultural shift because growing up, I grew up in a more conservative Christian home in Utah, so there wasn't D and D around for me to play, even though I was interested in it. Mm -hmm. I didn't really get into it until I went to grad school. But it's interesting now because I run a game with Acer and my little brother, and my parents are totally okay with it now. Where I think if I had been trying to do it at my brother's age uh, they would have had problems with it but I've definitely seen a shift uh, attitudes with them and uh, other people compared to when I was younger mm-hmm. it's the devil's yeah. work that's what you yeah. know <laughs> what it used to... that whole satanic panic oh yeah my, uh... <laughs> yeah Kids no kidding yeah everything work. is everything is evil no matter what you do you're gonna be evil <laughs> Before that, it was comic books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's nothing you can do right now that, that you you can play a game right now. Oh, that's got some, you know, guys are killing guys. No, it's a card. It's just hitting another card. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to go out and... Yeah, I'm not going to go out and murder somebody. It's just a game. It's okay. It's okay. 
All right. Well, I think we've talked about enough about that. Thanks for that, Jordan. That was awesome. No problem. All right. Next up, let's see. All right, Taylor, you're up. All right. This is going to be something that might be a little bit far-fetched. Uh, I want to talk about games. I brought it up earlier. I want to talk about games as fan fiction. Um, oh. So taking pre-established worlds, pre-established, not maybe even characters, but ideas, settings, um, creating stories that have conversations between uh, the authors, so the GMs and the players, uh, and the, the source material. Um, so my show, uh, The Leviathan Files, obviously we exist in the Mass Effect universe. We're using um, pre-existing uh, characters, settings, everything. Um, but going back to the original Dungeons & Dragons, that was Tolkien fanfic that Gygax yeah. and Arneson were, were playing with their friends. Um, things like Shadowrun are... Uh, you know, fanfic works for settings like cyberpunk, um, the William Gibson neuromancer style books. Um, so taking media and tropes and worlds and creating the stories um, that are being created by the fans of those works, not necessarily by the people in the means of production. No. Well, I think well, Luis, Luis can talk to that because he's done that. Yeah, uh, I've done that. And I also wrote an article about it uh, for Metaphor Publications. Uh, about how the rules and settings of a game uh, allow you to develop uh, to develop stories uh, where you can leave uh, the physical barriers. Physics is not uh, an obstacle, but yet you don't want to have limitless power because otherwise you have no story. You can just solve anything by wishing it up and there's no story. But the rules of a game um, give you coherence. They, li they put limits that uh, make the story coherent in a world, in a setting, so that uh, you can still have struggle, you can still go beyond your physical limits, you can still do magic, you can still uh, jump from a chasm and fall uh, and survive. Uh, but at the same time, keeps it coherent and um, and logical. So it doesn't feel like you're uh, uh, breaking the story. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's very interesting. I've seen people coming up with uh, stories. My uh, my favorite one is the Dragonlance uh, series. I don't know if you uh, heard of it. Mm -hmm. um, I became a fan for, uh, of it for uh, many years. But I, I re I, uh, when I re uh, researched about it, I found that it was based actual uh, gameplay and mm -hmm. it became one of the most successful uh, franchises uh, in literature and fantasy literature yep. Yep. And that's... I think that's that's really interesting is um, is media that may have come from gameplay like I don't I don't know if there's a, a drop of truth to it but um, you know I hear over and over again that Vin Diesel's Chronicles of Riddick was based off of you know D&D games that he played on sets of movies and stuff um, yeah, and so Fast and the Furious was built off of it too, which is even harder to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Fast and the Furious was built off of um, uh, that one with the, where, where Keanu Reeves was a surfer with Patrick Swayze. Point blank. Oh. Point, point blank. Wow. I thought it was built off of that. That's close. <laughs> well, uh, what Vin Diesel said is that he tried to take the sort of like party ensemble cast kind of thing, make it happen in a modern movie and have like all the excitement and of the 
you know, your role-playing sessions and all that. So he tried to translate into a, a modern movie form. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense. Who wants to go first? One of uh, the Redacted Files games that we love the most is uh, Final Girl, which sadly isn't in print anymore. Uh, I just finally learned. We kept looking for it again, but... Uh, it's a it's a jamless story where you basically take all those wonderful horror movie tropes and then play them out where you slowly kill every character you created until just the uh, final girl remains. And uh, playing that game helped me realize how much just that sort of tropiness and um, shared storytelling and recognizing those uh, touch points in beloved media really played into the games that. Uh, I played with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of like the the crux of my idea that I brought up is and so thanks for bringing up. You said it was Final Girl. Yeah. Do you know if you can like find it on eBay or like Amazon or is it just totally? Uh, I think it was just PDFs, but um, okay. you should come play it with us sometime. I would love to. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> have you have you heard of uh, and of course now heroin, um, not like the drug. Uh, because I'm sure people are <laughs> Oh, no. Nah. Uh-oh. Somebody's feeding over here. What's going on? Um, no, the, the role-playing game, Carolyn, um, it? it's, it's similar to that. Uh, it's one player. Everyone else is a GM. Um, oh, so everyone exists as, like, companions that you would find in, like, a, a Studio Ghibli movie or, like, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, Jim Henson stuff. Um but the, yeah, there's one character and everyone else is a GM. But that, that again, plays off of um, the things that are already established in media that people are saying, all right, I love this. I want to make my story about this. We might own that. It's a very tiny it. book, but yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, Megan and I have a problem. We buy lots of RPGs <laughs> and then we stockpile them. I guess no, for the I think end of the I, world or something. I looked at that because she's a super geek did a play of um, doll, and I think they people make doll made heroin, so I was looking at that too. Oh my goodness, don't spoil me for that episode. I'm so behind on my podcast listening. <laughs> I, I need to don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not cutting any of this out, so anything you spoil, it's okay, it's on well, the table. Well, I wanted to uh, comment that uh, from what I've seen, uh, all these different forms of art are uh, feeding on each other, or are, well, not feeding on the right word, but they're, they're, uh, they're nutrients for, uh, for each other. I've seen, uh, I've seen uh, books that, uh, first it was books and movies, but now uh, you have uh, uh, video games, uh, you have uh, games, uh, you have anime, uh, you have uh, fan fiction, you have all these uh, forms of expression, and I've seen, uh, well, I'm talking about my experience, especially with the Brony fandom, that uh, they are real, uh, for many of them, it was really uh, an escape to be able to express uh, something they had deep, deep inside. And I've seen amazing works uh, works of art. I've seen uh, fanfics, I've seen uh, videos, I've seen uh, drawings, I've seen music, I've heard music. Uh, well, my own little contribution is Tiny, uh, is Tiny Horses, which is, uh, first it was aimed at Ronnie's, but now uh, we've, decided, uh, we've seen that it's had, it's had much more success with uh, parents of children. But the point is that now you take ideas from all these um, 
different uh, forms of art and you transform them or you borrow from them and you create something that is new and that can feed other people and the cycle goes on and many times it comes back in full uh, in full circle mm-hmm. I, I think what ties it all together <laughs> is that as humans we're storytelling creatures exactly. so all these different forms of gaming uh, may be a form of an escape but it's also a form of sharing stories because that's just we're just hardwired for it yeah as far as I, I, as far as rpgs i mean we we know that you know obviously gaming is a great form of escapism whether it's a video game where you lose yourself in a story or a character um but as far as rpgs in which you're telling a collective story um it has a very unique value proposition for the players because you get to dawn an alter ego you get to kind of think to yourself, how would I act if I were an extremely pious, overly religious individual of an evil deity? And you get to explore this in a very safe environment with a group of friends who are doing the same thing. What if I was a muscle-bound freak who loves smashing everything or a high-pitched, annoying deep gnome as uh, <laughs> one of my friends play in uh, Rollcasters of Women's Evil? Um, you know, it's, it's a very unique form of entertainment. Uh, and the fact that it's kind of becoming more and more accepted in the mainstream is something that's really exciting. Yeah. And, and oh, the interesting. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, well, just real quick. The interesting thing about that is, you know, most people, you know, you think about RPGs and board gaming and and that nerd kind of culture, and you know, people sort of look down on that as, you know, people who aren't, you know, social or they're not, you know, they're um, awkward or whatever. But it's a hobby that is one of the most social things that you can possibly do. Um, It it brings people together and, you know, lets you explore those different boundaries and, and, you know, maybe be someone else or, or, um, you know, explore different parts of yourself. And and it's a very social activity. So I think that's, you know, always been a negative connotation, which I think has been, been very misplaced. If Mm -hmm. I can just build on that really quick, I think not only is it very social, but as, as far as, bringing in younger people into it. I think it teaches great social skills. Uh, yeah. It teaches a way to interact, to come out of your shell in a way that you might have not otherwise do in school. At least when I was in school, I was a very shy kid. Um, it also um, teaches you how to react with people in a different way. And for those of uh, for those of them who want to follow perhaps acting or professional speaking, you know, with an emphasis on delivery, this is an amazing hobby to be a part of. Um, and that's why I think it's no surprise that we hear, you know, some some A-list or B-list actors that have played D and think this should be a mandatory course in improv, or anybody who's performing, uh, following an acting career. I think this should be a course, a very fun course that I would volunteer right now to teach. Um, but anyway, or at least be a part of. But anyway, well, if you, I, if you I, want I them to be improv, you should make them uh, GM. Well, it depends. Some GMs might put a lot of hours into work, but yeah, no, no, yeah, that'd be awesome. But I I think it's a super constructive hobby as well. Yeah, not only that, um, it teaches uh, team, working in a team, being cooperative, and these are like skills that you use in the workforce, like how how to work as a team, solve problems, and get to a a specific goal. So, I, I think um, we had we had a guest on who who does a uh, you know how they have extracurricular activities in high school. He's a teacher and he also does a podcast. But as a teacher, he has a uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, kind of like the chess club. He's got a Dungeons and Dragons club <laughs> where kids you know come there and, and they 
they do their Dungeons and Dragons and it helps them socialize. Um, I'm actually a teacher as well. I teach third grade. Um, and this past year, as like an after school thing, I brought in a couple of, like, I brought in like Carcassonne and taught the kids Carcassonne and just seeing how they, they gobbled up this, whoa, I've never seen this game before, but wow, I get to interact with, like, you know, talking with, oh, look, you know, Timmy did this and now my road's going to be ended or, you know, interact, learning to interact with people and just seeing even at third grade how, I mean, you could just see all these gears starting to click in kids about like interaction and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Jordan, so if, if I could, too. Jordan, if, since you're a teacher, if I may, at least, and again, I'm sorry for being recently so specific. Jeez, in- Alex, come on. I know, right? I'm such a jerk. <laughs> uh, do you feel that uh, you know, Pathfinder D&D, you know, any kind of these role-playing games where one of the central premises is conflict, combat, do you feel that that's too early or a third grade would be too early or based on what they're seeing already in the media that that's already so prevalent that it's not going to be a negative influence in that regard? I mean, I think I would have to go about it the right way. Um, you know, maybe once I've talked to parents... Get, like get their permission to say, hey, I want to try this with these kids. Um, but I mean, these kids they talk, they tell me about how they watch like The Walking Dead and all this stuff. So I don't think D and D combat's not going to be like a big deal to them. But um, that's definitely something I'm interested in. Is even at that young age, seeing how a group of kids could come together as a, like a party in D and D, and if they could, you know, work together well enough to. Or if they'd just be, end up bickering with each other. No, you shouldn't have done that. We should have done this. Well, uh, if you're interested, Jordan there's actually had... a couple um, kid-friendly role-playing systems that I... Uh, I have the same problem, Megan and Acer, as you two. Um, where I just... <laughs> I, I hear about a system, I'm like, I need it. Um, yeah. But there's, there's one um, one-shot RPG the podcast did an episode uh, highlighting a system called Princesses and Palaces. Um, okay. Which is about, uh, I think it's supposed to be like focused on nonviolent con- conflict resolution, um, and so everyone gets these princesses, and you have the ma- these magical powers, and you have to go on a quest, um, and it's supposed to be very entry level. Like, all right, here's how you construct a story, uh, here's how you solve problems with other people, um, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and then there's also another thing, another system coming out. It's coming out. I don't think it has come out. I know it just finished its Kickstarter. Uh, that was Monty Cook's No Thank You yeah. Evil. Um, yeah. And that, that to it. that's supposed to be the same thing where it's like um, intro to storytelling and construct writing. And so if you're interested in putting role-playing systems in but you're not quite sure, um, is this too crunchy, is this too mathy, is combat too much of a system for small children? Do we really want to be instilling that as like the, the go-to method for combat or conflict resolution? Right. So, Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I actually busted out my phone real quick and wrote those down so I'm definitely going to look those up yeah. you can also try Tiny Horses I'll send you a copy if you want oh that'd be great Yeah, it's it's uh, we did a one shot with Tiny Horses it's a really easy game to you know read in one day and, and play it mm-hmm. and I think I think you guys made a good point too like um, with my gaming and, I'm, and with my son um, he's five now and uh, just bringing stuff to the table, you know, a lot of times I, you know, I'll look at something and I'll go, should I, should I try that? And I'm like, ah, that might be too hard. You know what? I don't care. I'll just, you know, walk them through it, you know? So like today we actually played a game called uh, Dia Monsters. 
and it's a trick-taking game um, where you have monsters one through five, and then the highest card basically wins, but uh, number one card eats number five card if those two are played. But also, depending upon how many players you have, if someone plays the same card, the same number, they cancel each other out, and then that card is eliminated. So there's lots of different things you know, in that game, you know, it's like, okay, you got to do your numbers. You got to try to, you know, use your cognitive, uh, you know, know, sense where you're like, okay, do I think this person's going to play this? And sometimes I'd see, I'd see my son actually, you know, he'd look at a card and be like, okay, you played a number three. So then he'd kind of keep that in his head. And, you know, and it's funny because at first I thought, well, would he actually, you know, say, you know, you played a three, I don't know if that's still there, but he recognized, oh, the three is gone, so you don't have that. So, you know, it really, Teach you know. Teach him how to card count already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to Vegas. Woo! <laughs> that's an investment right there. <laughs> yes. Well, just touching on what Jordan was saying about, you know, possibly introducing, you know, more role, role-playing game elements into the class, you know, after classroom. Um, talking about D and D mechanics being a you know a more or less violent conflict, um, it could be structured in such a way that you know it's more of a problem solving adventure where there isn't really combat per se. You know, maybe a social combat where you have to convince someone you know to do this thing that you need to complete this adventure, as opposed to just going straight away to okay, it's D and D, so we have to kill stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, there's always a way yeah. around that. Um, I I. Uh, I also podcast with the Dragon Fisters, and, you know, we'll go whole sessions of just RP, uh, and, and maybe not even roll any dice. It's just, you know, three hours of us figuring stuff out or, you know, trying to solve these. You know, at one point, we had a riddle to solve. It was a nightmare. It took us weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> part, of a, a part of a longer story arc, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely can be done, and, you know, D&D tends to take a knock on... Uh, you know, it not being very role play, but it just depends on how you approach the game and you know mm-hmm. what everybody wants to get out of it. Yeah, you could say you could say like you know when someone's in combat, you could just be like somebody blasted you with you know ice or whatever, and he falls down, and then have him like say, oh, he opens his eye, oh, I'm dead, uh, you know, and closes his eye again, like he's not really you know not really beat or anything like that. You know? It's but- just like Pokemon, because like if you really look at Pokemon, you're killing a lot of animals, <laughs> <laughs> but. You crushed my childhood dreams, Dusk. How dare you? <laughs> They're just defeated. You defeated your enemy. <laughs> well, I want to uh, uh, say that uh, in my experience talking with parents, uh, you re- they really are looking for very light systems that, can, that they can adapt quickly because you really have to uh, you really have to know your child. Mm-hmm. You really have to adapt uh, any game to uh, your child level, and nobody can do it better than uh, the parents themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even that, that, that may take uh, a trial. And the the objective is to have fun with mm-hmm. your child, and that might mean uh, discarding a whole adventure and just following uh, with what your child uh, says. And you have to also be, uh, I, well, I, I recommend light systems. In fact, I designed in mine to be very light because you don't want to spend time looking up for rules mm-hmm. when you're uh, playing with a child. Well, child I don't, I don't want to do that when I'm playing with adults. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, what, what do you want to play? What do you want to throw at somebody? Uh, okay, great. Let me look. Yeah. 
Adults can be far less forgiving, too. <laughs> that is true. That is true. It's even more so with children. Because yes. they have a very short attention span. Yep. Much shorter than adults. Yep. That, you, that is definitely a thing. You know, you, you know, if you're going to do an RP session with a kid, you have to make it short. You know? Yeah. I, we, I tried playing legendary villains with my son. And I knew it wouldn't last very long, but he lasted a lot longer than I thought he would. You know? <laughs> like one of those things. And all of a sudden, I could just see the eyes rolling back into his head. He's like, Dad, I'm done. Okay. Yep. That's good. You played great. Let's go. <laughs> and the other thing that uh, I wanted to say that the parents have told me... Uh, that they want a system that is not so uh, much about combat, and that's mm-hmm. why uh, well, that's one reason they don't like um, uh, to use D and D for children or not as much. Mm-hmm. They are really looking for some for something much uh, much much less uh, much more peaceful, mm-hmm. especially be, uh, especially parents who have uh, daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the adventure I wrote in my in my book, I, I because of I, I, I uh, spoke with parents. I wrote it so that you could solve it without resorting to combat. Mm-hmm. And parents have written me and told me that they, that's one part of the game that they really like that they don't have to resort to combat. There are, there is combat for those who want it, especially girls. They don't want to uh, go into combat uh, nearly as much. They just want to be a little horsey and fly and use magic. <laughs> yep, and that could challenge yourself as a GM too. You know, if you're you know a GM and you're used to working with stuff that's so complex, you know it it yeah. you know makes you you know go back to the basics. So when you have a have a player that you're trying to teach D and D, or you know someone that just you know wants to play but doesn't want to get too too you know crunchy in it, then it kind of you know yeah. it, it it gets you going for that kind of stuff. So. Uh-huh. And- and you really want to bond with your child because mm-hmm. part of the joy that uh, I've heard from parents is that they get excited uh, by the happiness of their children playing the game. Mm-hmm. That's a big bonus for them. And I see it as the modern version of uh, uh, in the 60s when the parent was proud that his child has, uh, played catch with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're all nerds and we're all uh, grown-ups, uh, so we do mm-hmm. RPGs. <laughs> but uh, it's still what parents are looking for is the bonding. I I love this. This is very precious to me. I want to share it with my children, mm-hmm. and I hope that they appreciate it. That's that's what I've seen. That mm-hmm. that really really is a motivator for parents who try uh, RPGs with children. For sure. Not, not only is it like bonding with your kid, but it's also a window into how they think because mm-hmm. you get to see how they problem solve. And you can also connect with them in a way that you wouldn't be able to in a normal conversation. So you see them doing their problem solving. You can actually guide them um, through whatever you put in place in the game, whatever obstacles you use, that you wouldn't be able to have like just a straightforward conversation like, this is what you should do. For sure. So it's a much more subtle way to understand where your kid's coming from and also guide them to a resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with RPG Gamer Dad. He has a podcast and he plays uh, with RPG Gamer, uh, Gamer Boy. And one of the things that he has said uh, in interviews with uh, other adults is that uh, RPG Gamer Boy is very much into having the bad guy. He's not into killing the bad guys. He's much more into discovering why the bad guys 
are doing what they're doing and changing changing their motivations. Like for example, he will go into a dungeon and then there are two orcs. But instead of fighting uh, the uh, the heroes, the orc will escape and try to get the treasure for themselves. Uh, so yeah, so you you see how your child uh, expresses its own values in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's great. All right. Also, as a oh, real quick, as to oh, say, yeah. uh, just playing off of what Dusk said, uh, not only does it allow you to kind of see how they problem solve and you know kind of subtly guide them, you know, by maybe putting some moral situations that they have to try to work out, it also just opens up communication. Um, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and I try to get her to play games all the time, sometimes successfully. But you know, you ask them when they come home from school, "How was school?" Ah, it was fine. <laughs> but you get a game on the table and you just start playing and then it kind of comes out. You don't even have to ask. They'll be like, oh, you know, during math class this thing happened or whatever. So it, it really kind of, you know, maybe takes the pressure off, you know, of, mm-hmm. of a teenager, even, a, you know, a young child to just kind of, you know, things will just start to come out and you can, you know, have a, a bigger conversation, you know, because they're not really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For sure. board, games and, board games can do that too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, yeah. All kinds of good stuff. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the next person. All right, Acer, you're up. Damn. <laughs> uh, all right, well... You're in the uh, hot seat. <laughs> let's see. Uh, what have you guys uh, been looking at playing lately that you just haven't had the chance to? Uh, what was the last uh, RPG book you opened up, the last uh, board game booklet, and, you know... What are you anticipating doing that is really getting you excited? Apparently nothing. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, uh, we don't want to step on each other's. Uh... Uh, I, have a, I, I, have a, I have a bunch of games that I, I own that I've... I haven't... I, I have this issue. I, I'll read the rules sometimes, but I have a really short memory. Mm. So very often I, I don't... I can read them once, but if I don't play the game right away, I have no idea what it is. But I have games like I have, I have this one game called La Chita, which is about I don't know, it's about creating like a city and then trying to like steal population from each other and stuff like that. And it's just one of the many games that like I really want to get to the table, and then I get people over, and I'm like, we well, should play La Chita. Oh no, you want to play Alien Frontiers instead? Okay, yeah, let's play Alien Frontiers. All right, no, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just recently got. Um, What's uh, Robinson Crusoe to the table, which mm-hmm. I got as a gift for my wedding back in April, and uh, never opened it until yesterday. <laughs> well, you got some um, cool friends exciting. if that's what you got for your present. Well, yeah, I actually got two games. Oh, uh, my nice. my wife was my wife la- allowed me to put two games on the registry. <laughs> I was like, so far, like, oh. Easter and I have several RPG books on our registry. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> See, like, and it, that was it. That was funny. Like, I, I told her too. I was only gonna put two because I, I didn't want like, because c- on the registry you kind of want things that you're gonna need as a married couple. You're gonna need and games like, because eventually, when you don't, you know, when you're fighting and stuff like that, you need other. something to come back to that you can, you know, get yeah, get that connection, you know. And, and my wife would definitely say, "No, you don't need more games. I have over a hundred, so it's not like I need more games. Do yeah. I want more games? Absolutely." <laughs> I've been having a real urge to play uh, superhero games, so I was looking at... Actually, I was looking today on Amazon at Mutants and Masterminds. Oh, uh, I've 
Be prepared for character creation to take longer than the game, though. Oh, jeez. Really? <laughs> the entirety of character here. creation is point by, so, like, everything is... You, you just get, like, 100 points. You can spend them on stats, skills, everything. It takes very long time, but it is incredibly fun. Oh, that's awesome. I've been trying to see out. if we can get another game of Paranoia, but we'd have to be pretty drunk, and uh, it's kind of hard <laughs> to get a lot of people to have enough time to get uh, blasted, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'll get wasted with you. Doesn't have The Cipher system book has a whole set of uh, superhero world rules creation, and uh, character creation is much easier than that. That sounds like a master, you know, some masterminds is. Mm-hmm. What was the name of it? Uh, it's the Cipher system. So uh, the people who did Numenera and the Strange just took a big step back and then made their rule set so you could adapt it to any setting you want and uh, build your own world. Using the uh, their game? rules. Yeah. Is it fun? Yes. Acer runs it first, actually. We killed Darth Vader in our last session. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, it you, it feels like you could just throw the Marvel Universe in, um, what are yeah. they called? The recursions? Recursions, yeah. Yeah. Yes, there's a note in the book that says, while all of the recursions we've created in this book are based on the public domain, there's nothing that says you couldn't say... <laughs> <laughs> just go to a world inspired by a certain superhero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I like we uh, we've actually played the um, old school Marvel superheroes game, the card where you use cards instead of you know dice and stuff like that, and that was really fun because that's that one's actually pretty simple. There's a there's a lot in that book. The book's like super tiny. I'm showing people, but you know you can't see it. The people are listening, but. <laughs> You know, it's like a digest size or whatever, you know, and, and that was really super fun, you know, and just, we use our hero clicks and stuff like that and just made it silly, so. I've been waiting to play a little bit of a uh, uh, 5th edition. I play tested a little bit with, uh, I used to podcast with the Nerdbound podcast way back in the day, and uh, the group broke apart, people moved away, it sort of fell apart, but we've all kept in touch, and uh, we talked about getting a game together, and it, Made a character, went through the book, did the whole thing, and he's been sitting on the hard drive ever since. <laughs> so, a little disappointed with that, but uh, I also got a, what is the Betrayal of the House on the Hill yeah. uh, oh, for my birthday. Game. Yeah, I just haven't had an opportunity to play it yet. Oh, it's so phenomenal. You'll love it. It's it's light and amazing. Cool. Yep. That's actually one of my wife's favorite games. Um, and so I'm trying to use that game to draw her into playing an RPG with me. Like, yeah. this is basically role-playing. Come on. Well, the only issue with Betrayal is sometimes you get really crappy haunts. And so you're like, oh, that, my haunt was stinky. But some of them are really awesome. <laughs> well, that's cool. that's when you take advantage of it and then you make up your you make your own, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, what's this there it is, about? ripe for creation. Well, that's right. That's right. Okay. Think, All right. um, I'm going to shame Acer. Uh, I want to play, since we all, Acer and I have so many RPGs, but we have a Dominion sitting over on my shelf Nice. since uh, December, and we got it, um, we have an accessibility kit on it, so it has a Braille sticker so Acer can play it with me, and we spent forever putting it together, and we still haven't managed to play it. Because it was really intimidating putting all those stickers on. There's a lot of stickers. You could read. You could. You could read everything, and you knew that this was going to be a bad news. Yeah. Um, yes, this game is now more accessible and less at the same time. <laughs> uh, my, uh, Mike, uh, my my partner in crime, um, was nice enough to get me for my uh, birthday coming up here. He got me that diamond 
Diamond. God, I can never say it. Dia Monsters. It's diamonds and monsters together. It's so hard to say. <laughs> and um, got me the Prosperity um, um, expansion for um, Dominion. And we just played that last night. And holy shit. Does that, like, I mean, I love that game. But, you know, sometimes how games can get kind of, you know, just a little stale, not too stale. I haven't played Dominion enough for it to be old for me, but playing that Prosperity. And then it's got the cool little, it's got um, uh, some of the pieces, it's got uh, some victory points that are, like, metal. There's a couple of metal ones, and then one that looks kind of, you know, it's metal, but it looks kind of gold. And I'm like, you know, I'm like a little kid, I'm like, I have all the money, you know. I'm like, throwing it all over myself, you know, like I just won the lottery or something. Making it rain. Yep. Exactly. I loved it when I opened up Prosperity and took out those metal bits, and they were just—they were so chunky. It's like this is awesome. If these were cardboard, these would just be like meh. But mm-hmm. the fact that they took the time to make a metal, I love it. Yeah. Yep. And it's—it's it's funny how you know certain little quirky things in any kind of game, like even you know even if we're talking about RPGs, you know you write a little you know something at the you know at the back of the book that's a little you know either an inside joke or something that. You know, plays in in a different world or something like that. It's just great when people you know take that little outside of the box jump, you know, to really you know get people excited about it. I love that, and I wish I wish game companies would do that a little bit more. So I've been trying to get into games, and no one will play them with me. Um, and you'll figure <laughs> yeah, out why in, in a little bit. The the specific ones that I'm talking about um, is character that, creation uh, long. <laughs> No, uh, it's, uh, I'm really interested in games that explore um, and sort of unpack things that traditional games don't really look at, um, and uh, all my friends start rolling their eyes whenever I start, start talking about queer theory, because I wrote my entire like college thesis on how gay cowboy movies are, um, and as a bisexual man, that's not really something that I see in my games, mm-hmm. um, and so I've been trying to get into games that explore um, sex and relationship in non-traditional way so that's like super niche um or niche or i don't even know whatever yeah. um so potato potato was, whatever you want to say it's like gaming and then sex and gaming and then Nikki. like gay sex and gaming um i just want to get my tiny gay hands all over everyone's dice um but <laughs> hey well in uh in the wizard of the rose game the campaign that i've been running for five years i've allowed the book of erotic fantasy to be material that can be used so if you're ever in southern california and you're looking for a campaign to join there you go. Okay. Um, I know I know. Blue Rose, uh, they're doing a Kickstarter right now. They were the first like game companies to start putting that in their material. Um, and then there's a bunch of indie games that are out now that are, are supposed to be pretty good for that. Like um, There's a game called The Place to Fuck Each Other, which is about lesbian romances. Or not lesbian, just uh, queer women romances. Uh, and then there's Monster Hearts, um, which yeah. just does not give two shits about what gender your character is. Um, uh, the vampire games I've heard are good, but I mean, who's gonna? I, I already have a girlfriend, and she doesn't like games, so it's I can read these. Uh. <laughs> well, just because I can't stop bringing up Numenera, uh, Shauna Germain, who uh, is one of the people at the company, also writes uh, erotica, um, and she wrote a supplement for it called Love and Sex in Numenera, which sort of brings in how to incorporate those things in a not in a much more mature and uh, adult way into your game. And okay. it's it's pretty interesting. I really yeah, enjoyed I it. I, I think I saw the title floating around, but I am going to double-check and make sure that I actually read it. Mm-hmm. I think it's Love and Sex in the Ninth World. But... Okay. Love and Sex in the Ninth World. Mm-hmm. 
And with the internet these days, you know, you you know, there's a, you know, it's a, a a lot easier access to find things that other people are into. You know, it's not it's not just one of those things. Yeah. You go outside and you're like, okay, I want, you know, I like this. Oh, you don't? Okay, goodbye. I'm gonna go back in my house. You know, there's a lot more access now to where you know there's certain games or certain people that you know have certain taste, and you know, it's a lot easier to do it these days than it was in the past. So, uh, another game up for you reason. might want to consider for that is. Uh... Jason Morningstar's uh, Night Witches game about the Soviet oh, pilots yeah. in World War II. I bought that uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, there you go. <laughs> All kinds of good stuff. All right, we'll go to the well, next. Uh, oh, go well, ahead. I wanted to um, uh, mention something. It's Actually, it's a bit uh, of a different approach. Um, I've always been a spoiled child with uh, first world problems. Uh, so my problem has been... Uh, Find, especially now that I'm an adult, finding people to play with. And for me, it is much more uh, the people I play with that's important than the game. And uh, one of the things I'm looking forward on, uh, my birthday is coming up, and I'm going to go to my parents' house, and I'm going to uh, play uh, Tropical uh, 4 with my father, who's 70 years old. And he has, uh, he has never been into video games or board games or, uh, or car games or anything. But this one game, uh, he got very hooked into. He doesn't touch the controller. I, touch, I use the controller. I just do what, uh, whatever he uh, tells me. It's, uh, it's kind of like a SimCity uh, Banana uh, Republic style. Uh, it's very funny. I really recommend it. Uh, but to me, it's this bonding with my uh, parent, uh, with my father on a different level that's, uh, that brings value to me, because I could play it uh, by myself and it would not be the same or I could play with another uh, with a stranger, I mean, well not this one, because this one is not multiplayer but some other games are multiplayer uh, and it's still fun, it's still good, it's still great, but it's never the same experience as playing with someone you care mm -hmm. so uh, that's what I'm looking uh, forward to and also I'm uh, doing a, a little experiment I'm doing I'm going to be playing a tiny horsey session with uh, senior citizens oh. so uh, I, I, I might write an article for uh, rollcasters uh, depending on how it, that turns out but okay. to me that's that's gaming. That's gaming. That's connecting with others, bonding mm -hmm. with others, sharing time with others. And the reason why uh, RPGs are so popular and so uh, valuable to me, it's because you bond over time. It's not just one time you play, you sit and you play Monopoly. Mm -hmm. It's you have a his you develop a history with all these uh, people over a, uh, a long period of time. And that's part of what makes RPGs, uh, pen and paper RPGs, so valuable. Because it really is about the people more uh, than the game. Mm -hmm. To me, that. Yep, yep, that's great. You know, young or old, it, you know, games are a way to connect. It's, you know, I've, now that I've gotten away from more traditional games and gotten into more crunchy games and stuff like that, I've introduced them to my parents and my family who've gotten me, gotten me into the hobby, you know, with, you know, Godforsaken Monopoly and stuff like that, but you know I've you know been you know able to introduce them diamonds and you know 
and stuff like that and you know even been you know talking with them you know through this podcast you know because you get you get that question of what's a podcast you know like you have to explain that for you know two hours but um but it's cool to think that you know you can take all that stuff and sorry for the train that's happens all the time um but you know it's it's a cool way to you know get everybody involved no matter what so I'm going back to what uh, Doss said uh, quite a while ago. Uh, I think that uh, RPGs and books and games and, and all these forms of art are just the modern ex- uh, expressions of uh, our ancestors or uh, the caveman sitting around the fire telling a story and we're hardwired because it was a part of our uh, survival. It was the way we made sense of the world. It was the way we put ourselves in someone else's role and that in, for survival to imagine uh, something else and I've been looking not just at, at RPGs but also uh, folkloric dances from all over the world many of them are about putting yourself uh, in the role of someone else uh, for a few minutes or, or for a few hours so I think RPG games are uh, very social and we're very hardwired into uh, them because they bring uh, storytelling and they bring social bonding at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, we're at an hour. Do we want to keep going? A couple more questions, or do we want to stop? I'll let you guys decide. How about we agree to do this again? What's that? <laughs> How about we agree to do this again? Oh yeah, there you go. Sure, that sounds like fun. I'm in to do it again. Sounds like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose we probably ha- will have a couple more things to talk about in the future, I'm guessing. Probably. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming on. I mean, this is something where at first, you know, I thought I was going to have like one person, which is still would have been great. Still would have been great. Um, but then I whined about it, and luckily, you know, people felt, you know, bad, bad for me and decided to come on, and I, I really appreciate it, guys. <laughs> and girl. That's why I said that's why I asked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been, it, Mike, for a while it was just me and you, I think. Oh, really? Don't, don't worry, Kurt. We still feel sorry for you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Somebody's got to. Come on. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, guys, and uh, hopefully we can talk in the future. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you, Kurt. All right. Everybody say thank you at the same time. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Super late. Everyone's tired. Oh my god.